We've got Sam Sherman here on the Stack Hunters podcast, and we're diving right into the way to early 2024 best ball rankings. Sam, you have Rashi Rice at 22nd overall in your rankings. It's back end of the second round. Rice has been on fire as of late couple hundred yard games to close out the season and the playoffs. He's been absolutely on fire. You have him at 22nd. He is not that high in my rankings, mm-hmm. nor in the consensus rankings. I think you need to do some explaining about why Rashi Rice deserves to be in the second round of ADP, or at least in, in maybe the rankings as we're starting these way too early best ball drafts here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. That's that's a fair criticism. I'll, I'll say first of all, it's January seventeenth right now, so don't hold me to these rankings in August. But let's talk about Rasheed Rice's rookie season. He had by yards per outrun the fifth best rookie season of the last decade, only behind guys like Odell, Puka Nakua, Justin Jefferson, and Martavis Bryant. Additionally, you look at the second half of the season. Once Rasheed Rice got a full role in the Chiefs' offense. If you look at the first half, he was a 60%, 50%, even lower than that route participation player. Once he became a full-time player in the Chiefs offense, he became the focal point of the offense. Over the past six to eight weeks, he's outscoring Travis Kelsey on a points-per-game basis. Now, look forward into 2024. I think the Chiefs are going to continue to run their offense through Rasheed Rice. There's some retirement rumors with Travis Kelsey. I do expect he'll be back. But as long as the Chiefs don't add some major target competition. I do expect Rasheed Rice to continue to be the focal point of this offense. And as a wide receiver tied to Patrick Mahomes, I think he has the upside to justify a late second, early third round pick. Yeah, Rashi Rice, you you mentioned that he's been crushing as of late for sure. And his route participation has increased. He finally led the Chiefs in routes run just a couple weeks ago. But before that, we were worried because he was only playing 50-60% of the snaps. Now that he's started to level up into this Chiefs offense, his efficiency metrics have held up so far. I think that that's one thing that we need to take into consideration, that even in a larger sample size, he still looked very good and the best wide receiver for the Chiefs, maybe the best pass catcher. So, uh, and you're right. Travis Kelsey has also looked like dust and you're the second half of the season. I don't, I agree with you. I don't expect him to retire. His brother does plan to retire, but I think there's one more year of Travis Kelsey squeezing it out and then going off into the sunset, marrying Taylor Swift, having the, the American babies. He's going to make uh, <laughs> Swift and Kelsey are going to make getting married and having babies cool again. Whatever. <laughs> Never the- uh, I agree all on all of those fronts. I have more concern, though, that the Chiefs will bring in another wide receiver that I don't I'm not sure that they want to lean so heavily on Pacheco moving forward. We do know the shelf life of these running backs isn't very long. And the type of running that Pacheco has may not be sustainable, especially given the the other running back. other running backs behind him, maybe Clyde Edwards and Lair. Not not quite if if Pacheco goes down. And which what which is what we saw, the Michael P. Ryan like that doesn't instill confidence. Yeah, and so McKinnon's getting up there in age. Yeah, with how poorly the other wide receivers let down the Chiefs earlier in the season, they missed out the number one seed. And and for 
many of these teams, it's about staying healthy when it comes to playoff time. My concerns are that the Chiefs do bring in, I don't know if it's a Mike Evans or a T. Higgins mm-hmm. or another like 20-ish percent target share earner that will limit the ceiling of Rashi Rice. Probably not the floor because he plays a different role. Maybe it's Calvin Ridley. I think that would actually be a really nice yeah. compliment for a deep threat. Maybe a Hollywood Brown. But Rashi Rice, he wins close to the line of scrimmage, yards after catches among the best of the NFL. And he's super fast and makes his in-cuts really nicely. So maybe I'm too low on Rashi Rice, but I also wanted to push you on your ranking too. I have him at 60, and I think that that's a little low. But at 22 as well, you're going to get, it's going to yeah. be Rashi Rice at 22. And then we'll talk philosophy of drafting because if he's getting drafted at 22 Mahomes probably comes back around for that stack in in the early third round how concerned are you that Mahomes just imploded for fantasy this year if you were drafting him at the at the two three turn are you excited about a bounce back is there level of optimism because I we saw the floor right yeah I I think you make Fair points that I, I think it'd be malpractice, honestly, from the Chiefs if they don't at least try to improve their wide receiver position. Having guys like MVS, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, McCole Hardman, these guys are not quality NFL players. They're probably Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Kadarius. You can go on and on with these Chiefs wide receivers. The bottom line is outside of Rice, they don't have a wide receiver two on this team. They don't even have a wide receiver three. These guys should all be rotational wide receiver fours at best in the NFL, in my opinion. Justin Watson is your wide receiver too right now. Come on. So I I do agree with you. They're going to probably make a push to get a Mike Evans, a T Higgins. There's names like Brandon Ayuk could theoretically be available. I I doubt it. I think my problem is it's, it's always easy to target these types of wide receivers. It's much harder to actually land them in free agency. We rarely see good wide receivers like T Higgins leave their teams in free agency. So even if the chiefs want to add one of these stars, they might have to settle for the next tier of wide receivers. Maybe someone like Marquise Brown could be available. And I think if the chiefs overall offense improves, that's not necessarily a bad thing with Rasheed Rice. We saw Mahomes in his prime prop up both Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey as top five, top eight, fantasy assets if they had another good wide receiver in this room and the overall offense just starts scoring more even if Rasheed Rice sees less targets as a result I think it could just be good for the overall quality of this offense so yeah I am a bit worried about Patrick Mahomes I probably would not want to draft him in the third round next year but you know we've seen a large enough sample on Patrick Mahomes that I'm not going to overreact to one bad year I do think they'll try to figure out this wide receiver situation and hopefully he'll be back to competing with Josh Allen for QB one status next year. But again, a lot of things need to shake out between now and then we'll see how free agency goes for the chiefs. One last bit about the chiefs and then we will move on. Travis Kelsey, we mentioned that he's on the downward spiral. He finished as the best ball value rating tight end two behind Laporta, but the second half of the season, he was not even in the top half of relevant fantasy scores. It really fell off for him. Some people are still putting him in the second, third round of very early drafts. I can't get there. 
I have Travis Kelsey as number 53 in my rankings. And I think that that's about where he needs to be. I have him right behind Andrews and right ahead of Kittle, but in that same tier, like you're probably drafting that tight end based on who you drafted earlier or who you're planning to draft later. I don't think that Kelsey is now going to be one of the dictating pieces of your fantasy drafts in 2024. Yeah, I I agree with that. He just didn't separate from this group of other guys, Laporta, Trey McBride, Andrews, etc. We've seen in the past Kelsey really be a big difference maker, the tight end position. And yeah, once you see these older guys trend in the negative direction, I start to get a little bit worried. He's also dating a billionaire and Taylor Swift now. (laughs) Is he motivated as much when he can live the billionaire lifestyle with Taylor Swift? I don't know. We'll see how things shake out for Kelsey next year. But yeah, I, I think like fifth, fourth round probably sounds right for Kelsey, but I wouldn't go out of my way to get him. I think I prefer Laporta, McBride, Andrews. If he shows he's healthy down the stretch here, I just like the youth of those guys and the upside a little bit more than Kelsey at this point. All right. We will be back in a moment with more 2024 early best ball draft rankings with Sam Sherman right after this. All right, Sam, another hot topic for the rankings. We'll stick with wide receivers here and move to a rookie. And that's Marvin Harrison Jr. Harrison Jr. declared for the NFL draft. He's being mocked very early in the real NFL mocks as a top three, four pick. His draft capital is expected to be massive. But looking at some of those teams at the top of the at the top of the list, New England, it's Washington. Maybe it's Arizona, maybe it's Chicago, whatever landing spot. I think he is going to be more landing spot dependent for year one in a new offense with maybe some new quarterbacks. I would like it like my favorite of the of the first couple spots. My favorite landing spot would be Arizona with Kyla Murray, but I don't know if it falls that far. You have in the early best ball rankings as 30th overall. I have. That's mid third round. I have him at 47. So the end of the fourth round, we are about a round and a half difference, but I think we view him probably in a similar light of there, there is an acceptable range from where Marvin Harrison Jr. Should go given what we saw maybe a couple years ago from Jamar chase, where people were very afraid to draft him during the summer, especially with the concerns of, Oh, he drops the ball, but Joe Burrow and we weren't worried about T Higgins and Tyler Boyd wasn't a superstar where Marvin Harrison, who his quarterback is, I think is going to be impactful. What is the range that you think is appropriate? You obviously have him at 30th. Can he get any higher than 30th? Yeah, I think so for me, my early read on how the draft is going is I think the top three teams are all taking a quarterback There was actually an interview with Gerard Mayo, new head coach of the Patriots today. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, we're going to take the best player available at a very important position, which (laughs) to me (laughs) strongly suggests that they're thinking quarterback in New England. So things could change. I, but I, I do expect 
Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, and Drake May in some order to go off the board at one through three. That leaves Marvin Harrison looking at either the Cardinals or the Chargers, I think is the most likely landing spots. I love both of those for him. I think with both Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert, he could really take off quickly as a rookie. I do think there is room in my rankings to raise him a little bit if he lands with one of those two teams. I could see taking him over the veteran group of wide receivers who are maybe declining slightly like Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams. It sounds crazy to be talking about a rookie and saying I take him over Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs, but I do, you know, I, I do think that Marvin Harrison is a, I know this term gets overused, but a generational prospect. You look at his athleticism, his on-field production, his genetics <laughs> being the son of Marvin Harrison. It's it's all there. And in terms of like the ADP prediction side of things, I think people are getting more and more excited about taking rookie wide receivers early in redraft. I think historically there was some hesitation around that. We've seen the Justin Jefferson, the Jamar Chase, now the Puka Nakua, all these rookie wide receivers that are true fantasy difference makers. I do think at this point, the upside, if he lands with the Chargers or, or Cardinals, would be justified in taking him as a late second round pick. So a wide receiver that's right next to him in a lot of the mocks is Malik Neighbors. I know you haven't put him in your top 36, but how close would he be given the projected draft capital? And he's also, if it wasn't Marvin Harrison, it may be Malik Neighbors in this draft. How high can Malik Neighbors crawl up the ADP boards, especially in the in the early drafts? Yeah, again, like you look at consensus big boards right now, and he's often in the the top five, if not that top ten for sure. So, again, I I, I it's still it's still January. I haven't fully done my full deep dives into these different prospects. I'll, I'll save that for a later date. But with that projected draft capital, if he lands with a Chargers, maybe later in the first round, if he lands with the team, yeah, Chargers, Cardinals. That's a thing, Bradley. You look at after the Chargers and Cardinals, and it's a bit of a landmine for wide receiver landing spots. You got the Giants, the Titans. The Bears are interesting if they add Caleb Williams there at nine. Not a lot of these top 10 draft slots are the most exciting landing spots for wide receivers. It really, it's going to be very dependent on landing spot for me in terms of the upside. Like I don't think a rookie wide receiver that lands with say the Tennessee Titans with Will Levis is as exciting as a no, rookie wide no, with no. Herbert. So huge, huge range for these guys, depending on where they land. Yeah. And there's so many questions, for instance, in Tennessee and New York, like we don't know that Daniel Jones is going to be ready. We don't know that he's going to be the quarterback. We don't know who the head coach is going to be for Tennessee, especially if they've moved on from Vrabel. Does that signal a philosophy change from giving Derrick Henry or the running back in Tennessee 300 plus touches every year? Does that mean that they're going to unleash Will Levis? I'm not, I'm not sure. So I agree with you. There is a wide range once you get out of that first pocket or so of of drafts and maybe there's some trades that happen. Maybe some teams are not expecting some things. There's a, a lot of green grass between now and April 26th, uh, April 25th, when the draft is, is underway yeah. in Detroit, Michigan, which <laughs> I will be at, I will be there. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I'll be tailgating. It'll be a lot of fun. 
and also representing, hopefully representing player profiler in their news desk and all the things there. It's going to be a great time here in Detroit. Let's take a look at a couple other players. We've hit on Marvin Harrison. For those who are just tuning in, we've hit on Marvin Harrison. We've hit on Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey so far. One of the players that I'm a little higher on than you is Rashad White. I have Rashad White ranked in my way too early rankings as the 20th overall player. You have him at 32. And I, going into this season, I'll admit it. I was wrong on Rashad White. The pod father, it holds his receipts. I called, I said that Rashad White was going to be Chase Edmonds 2.0. And boy, was I wrong. That's okay. But I'll, yeah, I'll accept. I was right there with you. I was so wrong on Rashad White. And so I'm trying not to allow my priors to influence my new ranking for Rashad White because it was clear that whoever the running back two was for Tampa Bay was not going to get the majority of work. I expect that Baker Mayfield is going to re-sign with Tampa, given that they're now into the next round, the upset of the Philadelphia Eagles, if you want to call it an upset. Now, some, some people were expecting that, some people weren't. <laughs> it just it depends on what crowd you were asking. But Baker Mayfield played very well for Tampa. I think that also means, if I'm a betting man, Mike Evans probably returns if Baker Mayfield is still there. And I think a lot of status quo in Tampa, if they're making a, a playoff run and Rashad white was very much part of this engine in Tampa Bay, despite his inefficiencies as a runner, that was why I was out on Rashad white. I said that his inefficiencies in a runner were not going to be sustainable for him to hold this role, but no, his role was not just as a rusher, but also a pass catcher out of the backfield and a safety valve for Baker Mayfield. So I'm bullish on Rashad White. In FFPC, it's full PPR, but in your underdog streets, half PPR, maybe we move him down just a little bit. But you can't ignore how involved Rashad White was in, in the passing game and how dynamic he was in the open field. Between the tackles, he was crap. But he was able to make, as as someone who was getting volume opportunity and was doing well with the pass catching that was enough for him to be returning on you you, we were drafting him round six round seven whatever your your he was it was he returned on it and then some so i think that there's just going to be a lot of status quo for tampa in 2024 do you see him similarly or is it just a haggling over the rankings at this point yeah so as I mentioned, I was extremely wrong on Rashad White this year. He was he was a fade for me. A pick 80, he obviously smashed that cost. I do think the core reason why I was out on him was his inefficiencies as a rusher. And he showed that in 2023, he still was inefficient as a rusher. He was bottom five in NFL next-gen stats, rush yards over expected per attempt. He was near the bottom, bottom 10 in success rate per NFL next-gen stats. So he wasn't great as a rusher. The thing is, though, it it doesn't matter at all when you're getting the volume that Rashad White got, especially in the passing game. And I think he improved a ton as a receiver in year two. His receiving stats also were a bit inefficient in year one. That completely changed in year two. He was making plays down the field, actually getting some air yards 
on his on the pass attempts to Rashad White. He was being used all over the place. So it was really exciting seeing what he did as a receiver. I think my hesitancy in ranking him a bit lower, I have him right now as a late third round pick, is just the fear that Tampa Bay does bring in a bigger between the tackles compliment for Rashad White and really features him in the receiving game where he he really is strong. So I think they tried a little bit, bit to do this last year, and these guys were just so bad. The Sean Tucker... Chase Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughn, these guys all just failed so miserably that maybe they'll find someone that will take away part of that rushing role and just limit Rashad White's touchdown upside. That's my fear with him and why before we see how free agency in the draft shakes out, I'm still not a full believer in his talent, which is why I prefer either the running backs that I think are more talented, guys like Travis Etienne, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, or guys in offenses that I think have a bit more scoring upside, like Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook, guys just tied to the Bills and Chiefs. I would take those backs over Rashad White if I had to pick right now. All right. We have hit on Rashad White and a few others. We're going to dive a little deeper into some of the philosophy of drafting in the first couple rounds when we return after a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout, but then they added challenges so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community and then you can browse the community's lines and say hey this guy's crazy i'm gonna take the other side it's cool and they have fantasy bingo rival fantasy is reminding me how much fun i can have with fantasy football and use that promo code player the promo code is player they give you a 100 dollars instant deposit match plus 25 dollars plus a free play that promo code is player for up to 125 dollars in deposit bonus and a free play You can't beat it. You can't beat it on rival. And it's going to be hard to beat the bills with how Josh Allen has been playing as of late. He is the strong armed, strong running quarterback for Buffalo. And Sam, you have him at 20th overall. So still a mid second round pick, which is where a lot of these early quarterbacks were going last year, second round and third round. I have Josh Allen at 29, still my first quarterback off the board as well, but just a little bit later. I think that fantasy drafters are going to be more hesitant to be taking quarterback early, but I think that Josh Allen is worthy of being drafted in the second or third round. Are there any other quarterbacks that you think would be able to sneak into that third round, whether mid or late or is it just should if we don't get one of these early quarterbacks, we just punt it based on what we experienced this past season? Yeah, I actually think that I still think it's the same top four that we had last year, it, probably in a different order. But Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, I think those would be the top four quarterbacks I'm taking just for, you know, the first three, Lamar, Josh Allen. And Jalen Hurts obviously have the dual threat 
rushing upside. They can rush for 12 touchdowns in a given season to go along with really good passing stats. And then Mahomes, I know he had a down year. I still think Patrick Mahomes is maybe the best quarterback of all time. If they figure out the pass catching weapons there in Kansas City, I think he can jump right back up there. But after those four guys, I do think we have better depth at quarterback than we did last year with guys like Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, continuing to be strong options. And then CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, even Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, all these guys I think have jumped up a little bit higher. So in terms of it's still early, we'll see how it shakes out. I do expect that there will be more middle round quarterbacks this year compared to last year. I think last year was a bunch of guys going early, a few guys going in the middle rounds. And then after that, it was a bunch of guys going pick a hundred and later. I do think we'll see this sort of second tier of quarterbacks cheat up the board just a little bit as people talk themselves into the upside. Even guys, I haven't mentioned Kyler Murray, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert. These guys are still all there too. So we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I do think that middle tier of quarterbacks is going to jump up a little bit in this next year of drafts. I agree with you. As the middle tier jumps up, we're going to see maybe the non-Josh Allen quarterbacks drop a little bit further given how there was performance issues with Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts had dealt with injuries. Hurts, it was obvious near the end of the season yeah. with his finger. And so there's also going to be questions about what that offense is going to look like for round two of being without Shane Steichen. One of the sleepers that I, if there is a quarterback not in that first tier that is pathway to be quarterback one overall, I think it's Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a year two in the system, not being put under a lot of the pressure. I think Steichen learning how to use him and maybe some hits to avoid. This is going to be, I I project him to to be like Jalen Hurts 2.0, only like with a a stronger arm. And maybe we're going to see some some elevation of Michael Pittman. Maybe the Colts go out and address that wide receiver too outside boundary wide receiver two position because Josh Downs does an okay job in the slot. I think we saw what we uh, good enough things from downs in year one, but Alec Pierce is not going to be able to get it done consistently. And so I think they do address that position and allow Anthony Richardson to, to be both passing and the goal line option. This is, this is a player I'm very excited on. And hopefully like I have Richardson as my quarterback four in the rankings, Mm. the best ball value rating in the games that he played. And that's including like him leaving multiple games early due to injury was fifth best, but only behind Dak and Lamar hurts and Allen. I want to be getting a lot of Anthony Richardson and then tying him into Michael Pittman. But if Richardson is healthy for the full season, how are we going to handle Jonathan Taylor? You and I both have him at 17 and 18 respectively. So we see him as a mid second round pick. How impactful is the Anthony Richardson returning to full health? Because Richardson didn't play and overlap a lot with Jonathan Taylor. How much do you think Richardson will impact Taylor and how much of your ranking is influenced by that thought? Yeah, I I think he has a pretty big influence on Taylor, especially in half PPR fantasy touchdowns are just so important. And I really see Anthony Richardson as like you mentioned, the next Jalen Hurts in terms of 
his red zone presence, how often they're going to use him on quarterback sneaks, quarterback designed rushes in the red zone. And that's really going to cap Jonathan Taylor's upside. It's there haven't been a lot of really elite running back seasons that are tied to elite rushing quarterbacks for this reason. I think the one perhaps exception is Christian McCaffrey with Cam Newton had an awesome year, but that was Christian McCaffrey was being used as a receiver very heavily that year. I think he had close to a hundred catches or something along those lines. So I don't see Jonathan Taylor as that type of player. I think Taylor, obviously still an awesome talent. I, I want to be betting on the Colts. I like Richardson. I like their pass catching pieces. I think Taylor's awesome, but if he's a first round pick, I think I'm going to be fading him again this year. Cause I just don't see the upside compared to guys like Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, who just have more red zone and pass catching upside than someone like Jonathan Taylor. We've got a question in the chat and I have to answer it because of my bias, Sam. I don't know if you can tell all of the, all of the paraphernalia behind me, but I have to answer this question given the green Bay's ties. And of course they're, their massive upset. It wasn't upsetting to me. I was very happy. What about the Green Bay wide receiver room? Longzi Yuan from YouTube. Shout out to you. Thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't subscribed, guys, make sure you're subscribed on the YouTube channel. But his question is, does greed stand out enough to take that next step or will it be a wide receiver committee? I'll offer my thoughts, Sam, and then I'll also ask you chime in too. But I think that it was the perfect storm for Jaden Reed near the end of the season. You lost Luke Musgrave. You lost Christian Watson, both second round draft capital type of players who are impact players. And Reed is a dynamic player himself, but he was playing 75% of his snaps in the season in the slot, which is limiting if you have two very quality tight ends in Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. They can only all be on the field at the same time. So you're only going to play Jaden Reed, what, 25% out wide? That's not going to work for a player like him when you have Romeo Dobbs playing on the outside, Dontavian Wicks, people can be very, he's looked good. And then, of course, my bias for Christian Watson, who was a top 12 wide receiver last year in terms of yards per route run. And I, I think injuries derailed this season. He had a couple big spike weeks, but I, I think he is a player that I want to be drafting a lot of. And his way too early expert consensus rankings is in the 70s. And I want a lot of Christian Watson if he's going to be going there. And then if I have to pick one, it's Watson at value versus Jaden Reed, where I have Jaden Reed at 60. I think I have him at 62 right now in my way too early rankings. And that's only a couple spots behind Watson. But Watson is the big spike week guy. And this is a best ball show. So my bias, of course, is going to be toward when he hits, he's going to hit larger and bigger than Jaden Reed. Reed is probably going to give you a higher rate of 12 points, 13 points in, in your half point scoring. But Watson is able to access top five weeks, top 10 weeks at a much higher rate than Reed. And so with the concerns of the usage and the way in which Watson scores points, I want Christian Watson over Jaden Reed in 2024. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And it'll be really interesting to see how 
their ADPs shake out. Cause I think this strikes me as a place where I want to be very cost conscious, price conscious here. I think I do want to be in on, we're talking best ball stacks are obviously extremely important in best ball stack hundreds is the name of the show. I want some Jordan love stacks. I want, I want to bet on him as an ascending talent in 2024, but it's going to be tricky. Green Bay has four, maybe five good wide receivers. Like you didn't even mention Bo Melton. He's legit giving them good contributions down the stretch. And they don't have any reason next year, I think, to go away from at least this four-man rotation. I think all four guys have their strengths and have a reason to be on the field. So it's almost like a version of the Chiefs rotation last year but with good players not bad players so i i could see it being some messy four wide receiver rotation a bunch of guys at 60 70 percent routes and i think in that case these are going to be truly better and best ball players i think i'm going to be a little bit hesitant to go for the Jaden reed christian watson's and redraft where i have to put them in my starting lineup but in best ball i think all these guys are going to have spike weeks so yeah like you mentioned Let's see how their ADPs shake out. I'm I'm less sure of how that's going to work now, but my my lean is better in best ball players for these Green Bay Packers wide receivers. There's been some chatter that Jaden Reed would get into the third round given his recent spike weeks and until the the Dallas zero until the the goose yeah. egg. I think that was a little a little too hyped, but yeah, uh, that's a li- <laughs> I'm not taking him in the third round. I love him as a player, but yeah, I'm not chasing that. I'm not chasing that either, but this is a a good as a Green Bay Packers fan. I was very, very worried going into this season. I even was talking with Josh Larkey in the off season about how Green Bay was in contention for being one of the worst teams in the NFL. Their defense was not able to hold up in the second half of the season and Jordan Love was not able to make the adjustments. They were going to be in a lot of trouble and hats off to Lafleur because they yeah. were able to make adjustments in the second half, which were able to elevate the team. Jordan Love got some confidence in finding open guys down the field. The offensive line stepped up just enough, and the defense, oh, the defense. They made Dallas look silly, which sometimes happens in, in prime time, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. nevertheless, it's really, really exciting for the Green Bay to take that next step, and I agree with you. I have, where do I have Jordan Love? I have love in like that next tier worthily in that next tier by himself. Cause if it doesn't matter, who's going to be the Packers player who's going off, just give me the quarterback and just, yep. just rotate through some of those Packers receivers and Jordan love this year going into week 18 was the quarterback 11 in terms of best ball value rating ahead of Mahomes and Goff and Lawrence, Joe Burrow ahead of two this year. Um, Maybe yeah, that he could... adds to the, that rushing element too. I wasn't exactly expecting that with him, but not that he's an elite rusher, but that's a little bit of extra upside that kind of separates him from some of these other guys in the same tier. Yeah, and I think that is a separator comparing him to the likes of a Tua. Yeah. Right? I think we do take Jordan Love over Tua pretty easily here in 2024. The, the Miami Dolphins are very conscious about having Tua rush the ball and taking hits given his history of concussions. And that was evident this year. The He had a couple major spike weeks, but Tua was dragged along for these spike weeks by Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell. It was not the other way around where Tua was elevating his receivers. So I think that yeah. we, we do have 
I think we do have a right to be hesitant to be drafting a player like Tua, even with his pass catcher, Tyreek Hill, projected to be a first-round pick in our fantasy drafts this year. Yeah, agreed. And I, I think you can absorb so much of Tua's production through just Waddle and Tyreek, given how concentrated it is. We'll, we'll see if they add someone else, but I agree with you. It seems... Like if Jordan Love is close to Tua in rankings at all or in, in ADP at all, it's going to be an easy choice for me, I think, with Jordan Love over Tua. It's just the rushing upside, the variety of weapons you can stack him with. He's just a much better best ball pick, in my opinion, than, than Tua. We'll stay in Miami, though, but pivot to the running back position with Devon Achan and Raheem Mostert. I have Achan at 13, you have him at 16. So early second round pick is where we have have him. But he was absolutely dynamic this year in terms of efficiency. However, a smaller back who did suffer multiple injuries. I The question isn't necessarily Achan, but it's where are we going to be drafting the other Miami running backs? Because the consensus right now the very early consensus is Raheem Mostert going in the seventies. And I think that's just too far down. I understand the fears of his age at 31 years old and the history of soft tissue issues, but we saw HN and Mostert coexist in this Miami offense. I I want to be drafting some Mostert because we know that that Miami backfield is very fantasy relevant. And if we have concerns about, Devon HN being able to handle a significant workload in the backfield, like more than 50% of the snaps, then it's Mostert and maybe just last round Jeff Wilson, or maybe there's some other running back that's brought in. How are you approaching the Miami backfield? Yeah, as long as it stays the same with just Mostert, HN, and Jeff Wilson, Ahmed, etc. I want to be, I think, high on both these running backs, especially Mostert. If he's consensus is in the 60s and 70s, he's he's under contract. He played awesome last year for them. He was the running back three in fantasy points per game behind only Christian McCaffrey and Kyron Williams, even in a ton of games overlapping with A-Chan. I just think that's way too low for what he did last year. Obviously, he's not going to repeat the 21 touchdowns or whatever it was, but he is still likely to be the primary option at the goal line for them if healthy. Still an explosive player that can rip off big runs. So, yeah, for me, the, the reason I have HN much higher in my rankings is a couple reasons. One, the, the youth element with him. He's a much younger player. It's scary betting on an older running back like Raheem Mostert to stay healthy to continue to produce. So I like that. And number two... His involvement in the receiving game was a bit higher than Mostert. He had more receptions and targets than Mostert, even though he played four less games. So that could be an element in year two that they look to scale up his role in the passing game. There's not a lot of other target competition there in Miami outside of Waddle and Tyree Kill. It's Durham Smythe and Cedric Wilson and a bunch of nobodies in the wide receiver room. So Julian Hill, baby. Let's get a shout out to Julian Hill. Yeah, Julian Hill and Braxton Berrios. Yeah. Is Robbie Not, Chosen still on the team? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Chase Chase Claypool gets a shout out. But yeah, 
Man, I, I just like that receiving upside with a chance. It, it's it's scary betting on a hundred ninety yard, hundred ninety pound running back in the second round of fantasy drafts, but he showed enough last year, in my opinion, to be worth the risk there. I just think the upside could be enormous if Mostert gets injured or they scale up his passing game role. There could be a sort of top five running back overall season there. We'll move on to another split backfield that was very fantasy relevant in the Detroit Lions who host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. We're we're talking to Sam Sherman here on Wednesday, January 17th, and the Lions are moving on to the playoffs. Can you believe it? Um, <laughs> but Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery finished in best ball value rating, running back seven and running back eight this year. Gibbs was injured for a little bit of it. David Montgomery also suffered a few injuries here and there, but they both were fantasy relevant overlapping for much of the season. I have Gibbs at nine. You have him at 10. So we see him squarely in the back end of the first round, but I'm interested also in where David Montgomery could land because He's never been a super efficient runner. He did fall into the Jamal Williams role here in Detroit, which is why you know, lots of touchdowns. He had the three touchdown game against against my my Green Bay Packers. Which <laughs> Sam, can I just take an aside? So, as a content yep. creator, sometimes I'll tell you a story. Sometimes it is very difficult to put out predictions, especially ones that are popular on Thursday nights, because that Detroit Lions Packers game was a Thursday night game. And I made a video saying, cause it, I, I wanted some, I wanted some attention. So I created a video <laughs> and I said, uh, should you start David Montgomery? He had not played the last couple games due to injury, but he's surprise active on a short week. And I said, you know what? He's probably going to have an okay game. Maybe you can start him as a flex, but he's not going to score three touchdowns and run for a uh, 130 yards. And, and what does he do? He scores three touchdowns and rushes for 130 yards and uh, the, the people were hating on that, rightfully so. But <laughs> it, it's 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 tough out in the YouTube streets, Sam, to be making takes and then the three percent chance that it happens, and you look like a fool. But you got to live yeah. with the lumps <laughs> in this industry. It, it it toughens you up. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I I for one would never make it make a tweet just to get attention. So that was <laughs> that was your first mistake. I've never done anything like that. So. Lesson learned, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but how are we approaching David Montgomery? Like right now, yeah. I have him in in the back end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth, which I guess I just like a lot of other players too. If, I feel like it's a flat tier, so maybe it's just pick your poison. But David Montgomery in that Jamal Williams role was able to coexist with Jameer Gibbs, who we do have ranked higher, like a first-round mm. pick. But... Monty also is more touchdown dependent because Gibbs is getting more touches and they're splitting in the second half of the season. They were splitting 50, 50. So. Yeah, it's a tough one. The way I view Montgomery and I viewed him this way in the summer when we were drafting teams is I think he has good standalone value given his cost. And last year's draft cost was in the, 80s 70s I, I think if i'm remembering correctly this year i'm guessing it's going to be 40s 50s probably i still think at that price he offers decent standalone value i think he'll have a red zone role i think he's going to have a role in this offense he has a, a pretty large contract i think dan campbell the team likes him a lot so i think he'll get you some spike weeks some production even if gibbs stays healthy then if gibbs gets hurt 
I think he has massive upside running back one overall upside when Gibbs is out. And that might sound like a hot take, but the Detroit backfield just produces so many points for running backs. And we saw this year, they didn't really trust these other guys that much when Gibbs and Montgomery went down the Craig Reynolds, any of those guys, I think I was waiting for you to say uh, Craig Reynolds here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they, they didn't really trust those guys. And we saw David Montgomery. It, it's been a while, but he had this seven game stretch with Chicago, I think in 2020, I have to look this up now, but where he had, you know, 23 points per game over the second half of the season with Justin Fields, he has shown that sort of elite, legendary fantasy upside in a stretch of time. And that's why I think depending on his cost, I would still be drafting him. I think a good combination of standalone value with massive contingent upside. If something were to happen to Jameer Gibbs, there we go. Go lions. There we, <laughs> are you rooting for the lions or do you have a dog yeah. in this fight? I I'm rooting for the lions. I don't have a huge dog in the fight, but Give me the Lions over the Bucks. I don't. I don't want to see the Bucks just get destroyed by the the Packers or 49ers in the championship game. So, yeah, give me the Lions or the Packers. Thank you for, for the giving them. Thank you for giving them some hope against the San Francisco 49ers. Speaking of 49ers, we see Debo Samuel the same. We both have him at 19. He is a player that was had his fair share of spike weeks. But also, he he experiences some disappearing acts if all four of the pass catchers are available. You got Kittle, you got Ayuk, McCaffrey, and Debo. We've seen the the massive games from from Samuel. But is this a best ball influenced ranking, or even in redraft, he's a mid second round pick, and you're just gonna have to live with some of the lumps like every other wide receiver. Yeah, I think you could, if you wanted to argue he's the third round pick, I'm not going to push back too hard. I just think we've seen Debo Samuel over the past four seasons or so with the San Francisco 49ers. He just has the highest ceiling of these pass catchers. Ayuk is probably the better all-around wide receiver, but I think Debo is the better football player, if that makes sense. His yards out for the catch, he'll add 200, 300 yards rushing, some rushing touchdowns, just he scores more fantasy point points than Brandon Ayuk when you look at it over the past couple of years. So it's as simple as that. I think similar to the Packers, I do think these 49ers guys are slightly better in best ball just because you have McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, George Kittle. There probably will be some rotating of spike weeks. It happened this year that Debo started the year slow, came on really strong. It could, variance could go the other way next year. It's hard to predict with these guys, but I do really like them stacked up in best ball with Brock Purdy. I think I would rank them slightly lower in the managed redraft format. Yeah, Debo this year, wide receiver seven in terms of best ball value rating. 56% of the time was at least a flex rate wide receiver. That's 12 and a half points and a half point scoring. Brandon Ayuk was at 61%, so just a little bit higher of a of a floor but Ayuk was ninth among wide receivers in best ball value rating. So both were top 10 this year in what they were offering you. And then you've got George Kittle, who was tight end five, and you've got Christian McCaffrey, who was the R RB1. 
So you've got the, all all of the San Francisco 49ers, and then you probably can get some mid to late Brock Purdy. Purdy's not going to go as late, but no. I think he's going to. Okay, after let's play the play the game. I suppose Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott. I think I would take Purdy, but in reality, like it probably depends if I have a Cowboy or a 49er on my roster right. already, but in a vacuum, I think. So it's that tier though is the yeah. point. Yeah. 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 So same, same tier is like CJ Stroud or Stroud higher, like a higher tier. I think Stroud is a higher tier for me just because coming off a rookie season where I don't know, he had probably a top four five rookie season from a quarterback all time i don't think that's too hot of a take it really was impressive what he did i i see him as of having more upside to take a jump this next season and i think houston's pass attempts the volume will probably just be a lot higher san francisco is still going to want to establish the run with christian mccaffrey they'll still probably have an awesome defense next year so i just think if we're chasing one of these like 5,000 yard seasons with 40 touchdowns. I think CJ Stroud has higher odds that of doing that than Brock Purdy. And that's why you have Nico Collins at what 13th overall. So at that one, two yeah. turn and also tank Dell at 31. So two of the wide receivers in the top three, two and a half rounds of your fantasy drafts. That's going to be the stacks that you are hunting for. You obviously, you have Tank Dell lower in the rankings. He played exceptionally well. Uh, Tank Dell was wide receiver eight in terms of best ball value rating this year. He spiked, but he also suffered a, a leg fracture, which, as we saw with Tony Pollard, derailed the first half of his season. And then Pollard, I don't know. I don't know what to attribute to Pollard the second half of the season. Yeah. Just bad, bad play. But we have saw the spike weeks from Tank Dell on some broken plays and maybe also some defenses just not doing their homework and not studying the film on both Dell and C.J. Stroud, especially at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I have Dell at 40, so not very far off of you. I still think he's, what is that, a mid-fourth-round pick still. So I think we're seeing him pretty similarly. I have yeah. Collins at 24, though. But that the, these rankings that I made were before the playoff game. But I'm also trying to balance the fact that Nico Collins is doing this without Tank Dell yeah. and without Noah Brown, who also played well this year in his spot starts. So I'm trying to offer the the appropriate context for like is just round two any time in round two the acceptable time to draft Nico Collins. Yeah, I expect that my ranking will be above consensus. I have him as like more or less a first round pick. I, I posted that on Twitter. A lot of people were telling me there's not going to be a single draft in 2024 where Nico Collins goes in the first round. Those people don't know that. I will be drafting in 2024. <laughs> so I will make sure that that happens yes. a couple of times, <laughs> but yeah, man, I don't know. Like he was, I don't get the pushback. I guess he's, he was wide receiver six, I believe in fantasy points for game last year. That's playing with a rookie quarterback. I know CJ Stroud had an awesome season, but I think rookie quarterbacks would, we should expect them 
to get better, not worse. I also think Nico Collins, he is going into year four, but he was a developmental prospect at wide receiver, had a lot of physical traits, came in, started his career slow. I expect like a larger. He went to jump. Michigan, so I can hold that bias against him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he went to Michigan. That's why I started so slow. But anyways, yeah, I, I think his curve is still on the upward trajectory. And man, he's just, he's big. He's fast. He makes contested catches. He can run after the catch. I don't have the exact stat, but he put up one of the best yards after catch seasons for a guy who has such a high dot of any wide receiver we've seen in the past 10 years. So he's a guy that I just want to be high on. Again, in best ball, I think sometimes we, we overcomplicate things like drafting good players tied to good quarterbacks. As long as the team stays healthy, that is a winning strategy. We saw that with the 49ers last year. We saw that with the Rams, who were an unexpectedly good team. I just want to take stabs at Nico Collins next year. If I, if I can take him in the second and still be above market, I'll be happy with it. And then Tank Dell, I think he's a trickier one because this broken leg thing, I'm not a doctor, but we, we always hear that fractures aren't as bad as ligament tears. But we've also seen Rashad Penny and Tony Pollard suffer these fractures the past couple seasons and have not seemed to return as the same player. So I'm just a little hesitant with Dell. He's he's a smaller guy, you know, one of the smallest guys actually on an NFL field at any given point in time. And I'm a little more worried about the injury, which is why I have him a bit lower. But I still think he has good upside as well as a third, fourth round pick in this Houston Texans offense. Before we close out and talk about DJ Moore and the Chicago Bears, make sure you guys are following Sam on Twitter at Sherman underscore FFB. Sam, before we talk about Justin Fields and DJ Moore and the Chicago Bears, any other drops that you want to make, any plugs before we call it for the night? Yeah, no, just Twitter, like you mentioned, at Sherman underscore FF. ADP Chasing, which is a show... I did this past off season with Pat Crane and Davis Maddock. We'll be getting that back up and going in the next month or so, but you can see that on my Twitter. And then I think plans haven't exactly been figured out, but I still will be doing some off season content with establish the run as well. That's um, yet to be figured out, but you can find my work there as well. All right. It's been an absolute pleasure having Sam on. Make sure you guys are following him on Twitter at Sherman underscore FFB. I have DJ Moore at 10. You have him at 14. I, I'm very bullish on the possibility of either it's Caleb Williams or a full season of Justin Fields because we saw what DJ Moore was able to do this year in terms of accessing spike weeks among all wide receivers. DJ Moore was wide receiver six in rate of top five weeks. And all of those came with Justin Fields as the quarterback, his the floor games of wide receiver 50, 56 and 38 and whatever. We're all Tyson Bajan games. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to bake in the possibility that fields could get injured, sure. Like maybe we do talk into round two DJ Moore, but I, I want to be in on DJ Moore because it's either we know what Justin Fields can offer 
or it's going to be Caleb Williams who's going to put more pass attempts and probably more efficient pass attempts into the Chicago Bears offense. You have him as an early second round. I have him as a late first round. Some people are very angry about my DJ Moore love, but (laughs) Sam, I think this is the right spot for DJ Moore, whether it's at the end of the first or beginning of the second. I agree. And I'm curious where he sits in consensus rankings. I'm just looking at fantasy pros. It seems like they have him as what 14 overall. So we're about in line there, but yeah, I think you laid out the case pretty well. He he played awesome with Justin Fields last year. And I think it's more likely than not that the QB play is going to improve in 2024, both in terms of efficiency and volume. Chicago was bottom five in the NFL in pass attempts per game last year. And Fields, even though Fields undeniably had a good connection with Moore, he did not play particularly well. He was 23rd in EPA per play. He scored poorly in other sort of accuracy metrics at the quarterback position. So I'm just saying we take DJ Moore. He was wide receiver 10-ish in, in points per game last year. You throw in the upside of Caleb Williams, Drake May, whoever it may be at the quarterback position, throw in added volume. I think it's without Justin Fields in there, scrambling all over the place and taking a lot of pass attempts out of the game at quarterback. You're going to see the pass attempts go way up in Chicago. I think DJ Moore, if there is a guy in this group to break in to the CD Lamb, Justin Jefferson, tier of wide receivers. I think you can make a case for DJ Moore, which is why it makes sense, in my opinion, to take him as an early second round pick. All right. With that, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Sam. Thanks for taking an hour and chatting way too early 2024 best ball draft rankings with me. We'll be meeting in the best ball streets. It's always great having you on. Yeah. Any last words for the people? No, thanks a lot for having me on Bradley. This was a blast. And yeah, January 17th, already talking best ball. It's, it's going to be a long, <laughs> gonna it's be a long, gonna be a long season. <laughs> We're a bunch of degenerates. It's great. All right. On behalf of Sam, I'm Bradley. Till next time, good luck in the best ball streets, everybody. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.